right in we're beginning a brand new series this month and it's called spirits what spirit are you of and we're jumping into this from luke chapter 9 51 through 56 i want to encourage you to take some notes here and uh, let's jump right in it says this you can put that on the screen now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up speaking about jesus that he steadfastly set his face to go to jerusalem And he sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Now, this is talking about Jesus. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven And consume them just as Elijah did. But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but he came to save them. And they went to another village. Now I want you to catch this today as we jump into this text today. Because so many times as Christians, we fall into a false piety, a false pride in thinking that, you know, we're in now, we're in the family of God now, and I go to church now, and I serve, and I give, and I check all the boxes, so I'm good. But the Bible has some warnings to us and uses examples to tell us why we need to be aware and why we need to know his word and why we need to be in fellowship. Because the New Testament many times warns us that even though you're in the house of God, even though you're in the family of God, you can be influenced by another spirit. And we see this in this text here as two of the most powerful disciples are confronted and rebuked by Jesus. Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't correct them because he's mad at them. He doesn't correct them and rebuke them to cast them away because he doesn't like them. He rebukes them and he corrects them because he loves them. How many know correction is for those that are loved? I said correction is for those that are loved. If you love your kids, you correct them. I said if you love your kids, you correct them. You don't let them do whatever they want. Teenager, if you're being corrected, it's because your mom and dad love you. If you're not being corrected, 
that means somebody's not loving you right. If they let you do whatever you want, somebody's not loving you right. So teenagers, here's some homework. Go home and ask for a spanking. No, 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 I'm trying to. I dare you. Ooh, I dare you. Now, anyways, but correction, correction's for those that are loved. And so James and John, right? I want you to catch this today because this is the essence of what I want to talk to you about. That you could be on the right team, going the right way, doing things the wrong way. Let me say that again. You could be on the right team, going the right way, but doing things the wrong way. And this, people, this always equals sin. Because what is sin? Now, you know, when we say that word sin, we often think of the the, the Ten Commandments, the do's and the don'ts. But the literal definition of sin is simply to miss the mark. I submit to you today, we have a lot of believers that are missing the mark. We have a lot of people that are on the right team, doing the right thing, going the right way, but doing the wrong things. And James and John are an example of this. Guys, these guys are powerful, right? These are some of the, the, the disciples, the 12 guys that Jesus poured his very life into. We know them as the sons of thunder. How many know that's a good tag team name right there, all right? They're known as the sons of thunder. Their heart was in the right place. In the story, what's happening is Jesus is getting ready to go die on the cross in Jerusalem. He knows what he's about to face. The Bible says his face is set towards that. In other words, he's got his game face on. And as he's walking through Samaria, the Samaritans are not treating Jesus right. They're not open to receiving from him. They're not opening up themselves to him. And because James and John love Jesus, the motive's right. They say, Jesus... Do you want us to call down fire and consume these fools? Come on. How dare they not be open to you? How dare they treat the Son of God the way they're treating you? Jesus, say the word and we'll get them. And they even throw in a little scripture. They even say, you know, we'll, we'll call down fire just like Elijah did. In the Old Testament. And Jesus looks at them. And even though they're on his team, even though they're going the right way, he rebukes them because they're under the influence of another spirit. And folks, this, this, this happens a lot. This is what I want to I address to us today. We have to ask ourselves... And we have to look in the mirror and we have to be very honest with ourselves and ask us, ask ourselves from time to time, what spirit are you of? Because we live in a time right now where people are on the right team going the right way, but doing things the wrong way. Acts chapter eight, verse nine, all the way to verse 23 tells the story of Simon the sorcerer, right? Interesting story. I want, you, I want to encourage you to read it on your own time. But Simon is this magician, this sorcerer that is in this city. And he, 
he goes out and he does these magic tricks and he performs signs and wonders. And everybody in the city, right, they, they recognize him as a man from God. They recognize him as a man from God. He has this reputation of being God's man because he's able to produce signs and wonders until Philip comes to town. And Philip comes to town and he begins to preach the ways of the kingdom. He begins to preach, this is how heaven does things. He begins to manifest God's presence in such a powerful way. Listen to this. That the people stop following Simon and they flock to Philip. And so Simon the sorcerer is left with a decision. So he goes to the meeting. The Bible says he hears Philip preach and he becomes a believer. He becomes a believer. And then the Bible goes on to say he's baptized, which speaks of this discipleship and obedience. He then is seeing Philip move in the power of God. The disciples come to town and he's seeing this. And then guess what jumps up in him? I want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. Now, again, he believed, he was baptized, he wanted to be used with, of God. Is there anything wrong with those things? No. But then he takes it a step further. And he begins to see that when the disciples lay their hands on folks, they start getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're praying in tongues and all these things are happening. So Simon says to himself, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to administer the Holy Spirit to others. I want to be able to lay my hands on folks and see them speak in other tongues. So again, let's check the boxes. He believed. He was baptized into obedience. He wanted to be used of God. And he wanted to give the Holy Spirit out to others. None of that is bad. Yet, when you read the story... The Bible then says, I'll, I'll catch you up here. It says this, then Simon himself, who believed was baptized, was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles were giving the Holy Spirit. He offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Because you thought the gift of God can be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this manner. Listen to this. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Y'all see that? Now, what's happening here? This guy just wants to do the right thing on the right team. But what spirit is he of? The disciples had enough of the Holy Spirit in them that they could discern that he was under the influence of bitterness, a spirit of bitterness. 
And the Bible goes on to say there that he was bound to iniquity. Now that word iniquity means immoral or grossly unfair behavior. Wickedness is the word I want you to see here. Because when we think of wickedness, we usually think of of dark things, of, of evil, of murder, of stealing. Oh, that's all wicked. No, when Jesus talks about wickedness in the parable of the talents, he called the servant that only thought about himself wicked. You know, the guy that went and took the talent and buried it. And when, when the master came back, he says, what, what did you do with what I gave you? He said, oh, master, I knew you were a hard man and I didn't want you to get mad at me. So what I did is I took what you gave me and I buried it so that I could give it back to you and you wouldn't be displeased with me. Jesus, when he tells that story, says, you wicked and lazy servant. See, what Jesus equates as wickedness, catch this now, is selfishness. When you only think about yourself, Jesus says you're wicked. Tell your neighbor, Jesus said it, not pastor. Tell him, tell him, because they, they looked at me, they looked at me kind of weird when I said that. I just need you to check them for me, okay? So he calls that wicked. So Simon, again, the motive's right, right? He wants to do the right thing. He wants to bless you. Can I tell you as a pastor how many people I've met like that that come in the church? They just want to be a part of the team. They want to do something right. They want to help people. They want to serve at the outreach. They want to, they want to, they want to be a part of the vision and all these things. But at the center of their heart, it's about them. At the center of their heart, you know what they want? They really want status. They want a position in the church. They want people to look at them and hold them up and, 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 and give them a platform. The Bible says that's wickedness. And Simon, even though he had all these boxes checked, are you tracking with me today? Even though he had all these boxes checked, he gets rebuked because he was of another spirit. I'm just laying the foundation for you. I'm taking you somewhere. Stay with me. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 47. Mark that down in your, in your Bible there because now we got Jesus and Jesus is preaching to the Pharisees. Now, I know when we say that, that, that word Pharisee, it's got a very negative connotation, but you got to understand the Pharisees were the churchgoers of the day. These guys weren't all bad. Their heart was to learn God's word and to do their very best to obey God's word. Somewhere in that process, because they didn't have the spirit of God, they began to be very legalistic. They began to be very letter of the law. These weren't people that didn't love God. These were people that did love God, but something was influencing them in another way. And in this story here in John chapter 8, the Bible talks about how they wanted to kill Jesus. And so look what it says here. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in me in my word, you are my disciples indeed. The answer, the answer, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus says to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, 
a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, well, we were not born of fornication. We have only one father and that's God. Listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus says to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and come from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Now catch this. You are of your father, the devil. Well, how many know Jesus didn't play games? It says, and the desires of your father is what you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of sin. What is Jesus telling these churchgoers of the time? He's saying to them, you're being influenced by Satan. And he goes a step further. Not only are you being influenced by Satan, but because of your actions, you are all actually sons of Satan. In today's vernacular, they're sons of, well, I'll just stop right there. Okay. Are you see what, what, he's, what he's saying here? He's, he's showing us that you could be a follower of God, but be influenced by something else. And as a pastor for over 30 years, I've seen this time and time again. First Timothy chapter four, verse one says this. Now the spirit expressingly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. This is a warning for us in these last days that you better know your word, but you also better be of the Holy Spirit. Because even people that know the word can speak the word, but be of a different spirit. And can I just tell you something? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing people on the right team going the right way, doing the wrong thing. I'm tired of seeing Christians get up on TV in the name of holiness and righteousness, spew hatred out against pro-abortion people. Do I believe in abortion? No, it is not godly. But I also love those who have committed the sin of abortion. I also am commanded by God to reach those people with the love of God. But do you know what I see? I see a lot of Christians that want to take the word of God And rather than wield it as an agent to bring cure, a cure, they want to just simply use the sword to cut. This is a problem for me. Because the Bible does say that the the word of God is a sword, but it describes the use of the sword. And when he describes the use of the sword... It reminds me of another instrument that is also made of metal, that is also something used to cut, 
And it is called a, a scalpel, something that doctors use to cut you open, to bring a cure. Because the Bible tells us that the word of God is sharp and powerful as any two-edged sword, rightly dividing soul and spirit. But we got a lot of Christians that want to wield the sword to kill and not cure. Come on, if you was raised in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. Because you didn't get to live in the 80s, especially if you was a man. You, you, you wouldn't have a man card if you never saw Rambo in First Blood 1. Come on, if you was alive in the 80s and you was a man, somebody sat you down or took you to the movies and you had to go see Sylvester Stallone as Johnny Rambo. And in that movie, remember, some of you might remember, he takes a knife and he heats up that knife. And when he heats up that knife, he takes it and he performs surgery on himself. And that knife that was used to kill soldiers now becomes an instrument where he's able to perform surgery on them. How many remember that scene? He gives that crazy Sylvester Stallone yell, oh, cuts his arm out, pulls the bullet out, sews it up. And he does it all with his blade. I wish I could get some Christians that would learn to use the sword of the spirit to bring a cure rather than kill. Because you could preach a message of a wrong spirit. I heard a preacher before, and we've, we've seen this in the body of Christ, get up and speak against homosexuality with such hate in their voice. God hates the sin of homosexuality. And if you don't quit doing it, you're going straight to hell where you belong. You know what they've done? They've taken something that the Bible is clear on. But with a wrong spirit, they've caused harm. What spirit are you of? What spirit are you of? Should we declare what the Bible says about homosexuality? Absolutely. But you better do it with a spirit of love. Hey, let me just say this. This is to go viral. As a pastor, I love all homosexuals. Love them. Love them. And you should too. If you don't, you're not a Christian. You want to know why? Because if I'm a follower of Christ, Jesus commands me to love everybody. Love everybody. Now, if I truly love them, though, I'm going to need to tell them the truth of what God's word says about homosexuality. I didn't write the book. I'm just a messenger. So if I love somebody that is in a lifestyle of homosexuality, at some point, while I'm loving them and being nice to them and encouraging them, I'm going to have to tell them, listen to this now, the truth in love, like the Bible says. 
We got a whole bunch of Christians speaking truth with no love. We got a whole bunch of Christians that think they're just Luke Skywalker taking that sword. Shoom. And every time they got to get online or get on their social media, they're going to cut you. And we're going to do it in the name of what God's word says. I wish you would learn that that sword can also bring a cure. That sword can cut somebody in a way where we can pull out the cancer. But the missing ingredient is love. It's love. Listen, you got to love everybody. You don't get to treat people bad that don't live like you. We got to love the people that aren't doing this thing the way it needs to be done. Do you know when we first started this church? We started in, in my living room. Jessica Fielding was there, she remembers. We had, at that time, maybe about 25 people come into that living room. And there were four couples in that living room. And they were coming. And they were living together. And they weren't married. And you know what we did? We let them come. You know what else we did? We loved on them. You know what else we did? We treated them good. You know what else we did? We encouraged them. We made them feel good. Well, pastor, didn't you tell them that the Bible says that that's wrong? Yes. But we did it in a spirit of love. And guess what? All of those couples ended up getting married. Still serving God today. Doing amazing things for the Lord. And can I just tell you, they didn't get married right away. Took them weeks, months, a couple of them a couple years. But I said, God, these are your kids. I'm going to love them. I'm going to treat them right. And I'm going to speak the truth in love. And I'm going to leave the responsibility of them to obey you to you and them. But you know what some Christians do? They shove the word of God on you. This is what God's word says. You got you to do this right now. You got to do these things. You, and they just take that sword and they just jam in folks. What spirit are you of? What spirit are you of? You know, the Pharisees tried to operate like that. They caught a woman in, 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 in sin. They caught her committing adultery. They pulled her. They got her out and they threw her in the street. Brought her to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, what are you going to do? Because we're going to stone her. <laughs> Jesus says, man, he who has no sin, throw the first stone. Translation, leave this woman alone. Y'all got stuff in your lives. Let me just say this. We got stuff in our lives. Why are you picking on this? What spirit are you of? See, Jesus, when he talks to the Pharisees, he breaks it down. He goes, I know you guys think you're followers of Abraham, but you're not acting like Abraham. Isn't that what we do sometimes? Go to church every Sunday 
yet you still cuss out your kids when they make you mad? I've seen some Christian moms cuss out their kids. Oh, it gets worse than that. You come to church every week. Cuss out your wife because she made you mad. Cuss her out. But you a Christian, huh? What spirit are you of? Now, I, I don't want to confuse you here because I am not preaching perfection. None of us are perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things we're not proud of. That's why Jesus says, anytime you mess up, you can repent. But there's a difference in messing up and just living that way. See, there's a difference when I'm following Christ and I make a mistake, I get back up. But then there's some that say, oh, I'm following Christ. Well, when are you going to deal with that anger problem? When are you going to deal with that? Because if you're following Christ, you're supposed to look like him. When are we going to deal with the issues of our heart? We just going to keep giving ourselves a pass because I was raised in South Sac? It's just the way I am. It's just the way I am, man. Come from the streets. It's just the way I am. Pastor, you don't understand. This, This is the way I am, man. How long are we going to just keep giving ourselves passes? What spirit are you of? See, when you find yourself giving yourself a pass over and over and year after year after year, you've got to ask yourself, who am I following? See, my motivation to change in my life, to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better pastor, to be a better man, is who I'm following. Jesus makes me want to be better. I read the scriptures and I see how he dealt with his enemies. (laughs) I love hearing Pastor Charles talk about that on Friday. That was a breath of fresh air because we've all been there. But what causes us to press back past how we feel about our enemies is we want to be more like Jesus. Some of us in this room don't really want to be like Jesus. We just want to go to heaven. Some of us in this room ain't really concerned about being like Jesus. We just want to be right. And that's a problem. We have to ask ourselves, what spirit are you of? In the last days, these deceiving spirits come. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4.1 that these spirits will cause people to depart from the faith. Guys, this is why we need teaching like this. We need preaching like this. This is why you can't do Christianity on your own. There's got to be somebody in your life that you check in with. There's got to be people in your life that can check you. There's got to be people that can say, hey, man, the way you said that wasn't right. The way you did this wasn't right. And, 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 And we all need people in our lives like that. We all do. Why? Because we need to be careful of being the influence of something else. And I've just proven it to you through scripture. You could be on the right team, be around the right people and still have wrong heart motives that cause you to be under the influence of another spirit. People that walked with Jesus, his own disciples were under the influence of another spirit. And we've got to be careful for this. So can I give you just three things before I let you go today? 
Just three things. I got you for about 15 more minutes. Three things here to help you discern a wrong spirit. Now, when I give this, usually we start taking notes and we start going, yeah, okay, show me God, show me who in my life has a wrong spirit. But I want you to start with today is show me, Lord, if I got a wrong spirit. If I got a wrong spirit. Because just being in church, just leaving Egypt, the the old life is not enough. We've got to have a right spirit with God. Or else you become like these people that are just out there fighting this war that Jesus says, you don't need to fight that war. I'm tired of seeing videos of Christians going back and forth about abortion and pro-abortion and anti-abortion. And there's just such both sides have a wrong spirit. Even the people that are right, that are on God's side, are carrying a message with no love. And God warns us, don't do that. Speak the truth in love. And you know why they do it? They got a wrong spirit. Going after homosexuals with a wrong spirit. Well, we need to just tell them. We need to declare the righteousness of God and the word of God. Yes, we do. We do. But in a spirit of love. And you need to bring that same type of energy to the stuff that you're doing in your life. Like gossip. But, oh, we don't want to talk about gossip. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about your bad attitude. Well, when I talk about how you can't submit to nobody, you always got to be in, in the control. Oh, but you want to confront homosexuality in the community. No, confront your bad attitude. Confront your issues. Why you can't submit to nobody. Why you can't be a part of a, of a, of a, of a community. Why you can't have close friends. Let's, let's, let's deal with some of that before we take on all this other stuff. So how do I discern a wrong spirit in somebody? And this is saying myself. You all ready for this? I want you to take notes today. This is going to help you. It's going to help you for yourself. But it's also going to help you discern it in other people. Number one, someone with a wrong spirit usually uses the scriptures to cut rather than cure. I said that, to cut rather than cure. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm sorry, 3, 4, and 6. I'm going to read it to you in the Passion Translation. This is a warning from Paul. He says this, We carry this confidence in our hearts because of the union with Christ before God. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength. For our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Now listen to this. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but it's through the power of the spirit. The letter of the law kills, but the spirit pours out life. See, somebody that's under the influence of a wrong spirit, it's always interesting to me how all of a sudden they know the Bible. And they always know the Bible about your issues. Never the scriptures that deal with their own heart. As a pastor, 
I've sat across from so many people that got hurt or got offended. And many times they'll hit me with scriptures. Well, pastor, the scriptures say this, and you did this. Therefore, I'm mad at you, and I'm leaving your church. Interesting. Interesting that that's the only scripture you know. Because the scriptures also say that if your brother offends you, forgive them. But you want to be mad. And you want to leave. And you want to use the scriptures to do what you're doing. But you don't want to use the scriptures that deal with getting your heart right. You don't want to deal with the scriptures that have to do with things within you. You only want to use the scriptures to beat folks up. And that's a problem. That's a problem. What spirit are you of? And there's a lot of people, boy, all of a sudden they know how to use the scriptures when it comes to using them, right? It's kind of like the, the, you know, the husband's favorite scripture. Y'all know the husband's favorite scripture? Women, wives, submit to your husbands. Woo, every husband knows that scripture. And they quote it too in an argument. Baby, you know, you better do what the Bible says because the Bible says you need to submit to your husband. But you know what scripture husbands don't know? Where it says in Ephesians that we're submit to one another. Which means this, I got to submit to her too. And so do you. But you don't know that scripture. You only know the ones that serve you. And guys, we've got to be careful of that. This is, this is my point about people that go online and attack preachers. I'm sick of seeing all the critiques by online personalities and you want to talk about this preacher and that preacher. And, oh, well, pastor, they're, speaking, they're preaching heresy. Shouldn't we get on there and attack them? I say this, what spirit are you of? Before you go attacking anybody, what spirit are you of? They want to post videos attacking Joel Osteen. This preacher and that preacher. Oh, well, pastor, those people are preaching things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, what spirit are you of? What spirit are you of? Want to preach against homosexuality and stuff? Yes, it should be preached against. But can I tell you something? It should be declared in a spirit of love. But you just want to be Luke Skywalker. And you want to get the word of God and get on your little Instagram and your Facebook and you just want to cut everybody up and you want to talk about church and church folk and how people are fake and how this preacher and you want to just, you just want to cut people up. What spirit are you of? Why can't you use the scriptures first to address your own heart? Why can't you use the scriptures first to cure rather than cut. Can I get an amen on that? Let me take you to number two as my time's coming short. Number two, how to discern a person with a wrong spirit. And if it's you, the motives are always wrapped around self. Remember, Jesus declares selfishness 
as wickedness. And we see this example here with Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer didn't care about the church. He wanted to help people, but you know why he wanted to help people? To draw them to himself. Because the Bible says before Philip got there, he had been performing miracles for years. It says for a very long time. It also says there in Acts chapter 8 that the whole city viewed him as a man of God. And so what does he do? Now he's going to use everything that's going on in the church for his gain. Guys, can I tell you something? I've seen this in the church so many, for years, people step in, people come in, and they see all that the community has to offer, all that the church has to offer, all the love, all the things, but they want to use it to build their platform, or they want to use it so people will notice them. Guys, that's wicked. You want to know why it's wicked? Because it's, you're making this whole thing about you. I've seen people do it in the pews. Hey, guess what? I've seen people do it in the pulpit. Pastors, the whole reason they start a church is to be a big shot, to be a big name. Hey, I've seen these guys be in other churches and split churches and take people with them to do their own thing because their motive is, I want to be in charge. I want people to see me. I want this for me. And you got to be very careful. Because any form of wickedness where you're at the center of, I'm sorry, any form of selfishness where you're at the center is considered wicked. And Simon's our example of that. This is why, guys, we've got to be kingdom-minded. One of the first things we've got to do is we've got to learn it's not about you. Come on, look at your neighbor right now and tell him it's not about you. Make them mad. I know they're going to get mad. They're going to get mad. It's not about you. You know what it is about? Can I tell you what it is about? It's about the kingdom of God. We are to replace self with Jesus. We are to quit living for ourselves and live to advance the kingdom of God. This is why Matthew chapter 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom. Why? Because when you seek the kingdom, you put to death self. We like to say it around here. You've heard me preach it many, many times. Get to know your three best friends. Serving submission, and sacrifice. These three homies that you got, y'all didn't know you had three homies like that? When you got saved, Jesus sent these guys to you, and these three homies are going to make sure selfishness don't beat you up. Because selfishness is a bully. Selfishness is going to steal everything that God has for you. But good thing God, Jesus clicks you up. Come on, somebody. Who's he clicked you up with? Serving, submission, and sacrifice. Man, why do you think as your shepherd, I'm always trying to drill that in? Yo, serve, submit, sacrifice. And what do I always get? Man, I don't want him. Because selfishness don't want to die. 
selfishness wants to stay in control. But can I tell you what a life of selfishness will lead to? Can I tell you real quick? Can I help somebody today? Selfishness will probably lead to a couple divorces. A couple of them. Not even one, because sometimes we don't get it on the first. You would think the first divorce would teach us, but when we're hecka selfish, we go into the next thinking, oh, I got this, even though you changed nothing. And so what begins to happen? Selfishness destroys relationships. Can I tell you something else that will happen with selfishness? You'll grow old alone. Well, your kids won't even want to be around you. Because who wants to be around a selfish old man? Who wants to be around a selfish old woman that's got to make everything about her? Is this too real for you? And friends, please, you're going to lose them first. You're going to lose them first being selfish. So what what does our Heavenly Father warn us against? Selfishness. Because it will destroy your life. It'll destroy your business. It'll destroy your relationships. It'll destroy your family. And as your pastor, what I've been trying to introduce you to for a long time is serving submission and sacrifice. You got to serve Jesus. But not only Jesus. Guess what? You got to serve your community. I'm so proud of our serving family that we have here. Y'all should come early and see what they do for y'all. The worship team, they get here a little after 7.30, between 7.30 and 8. Which means they had to probably get up about 6 o'clock to get ready and drive here before anybody gets here. And they come in and they worship and they practice and they tune the instruments and they get their vocals right. Because how many of you know your voice is all jacked up in the morning? Come on, Amen. You got to gargle a little bit. And, and, and they're here early doing that. I drove up today and I saw Ray in the parking lot. He's a part of our security team. And as I'm coming in, you want to know what Ray's out there doing with our security team? He's picking up trash in the parking lot. Making sure that when y'all get here, the place looks good. You know what all that's called? It's called serving. Do you think everybody else would rather be doing something else? Of course. But you know why we do it? Because it's not about us. It's about you. Children's workers today. Y'all are in here enjoying the word. We got children's workers back there wrestling with your kids. (laughs) Trying to teach them, play with them, get them to stop crying. Some of you know because you do it on other Sundays. You would rather be in here. But you know what you're doing? You're doing something else on that one. You're serving, but guess what else you're doing? You're submitting to the word of God by doing something for somebody else. <laughs> Actually, that's a three-prong rhyme right there. You're sacrificing too. See, if we can raise up disciples that understand these three things, selfishness begins to die in your life. And when selfishness dies, you are a way better husband. Way better. And all the wives say, ooh, got some strong ones over here. Don't get in trouble. Don't get in trouble now, all right. Works both ways though, right? I'm a better dad when I'm not just thinking about me. I'm a 
better husband when I'm not just thinking about me. And it translates and it goes. But here's the biggest reason why it's number two on the list. Selfishness attracts other spirits. If spirits were flies, selfishness would be a pile of poop. And what happens when there's a pile of poop out there? You're always going to see flies. When there is selfishness in your life going unchecked, you're always going to see spirits. Spirits are attracted to selfishness. Hey, you know, there was a crazy guy years ago, wrote a satanic Bible. His name was Anton LaVey. The center of that church is in San Francisco. You know how the Bible has 10 commandments? The satanic Bible only has one. You want to know what that commandment is? You're going to go home and say, man, I went to church. I learned what the satanic Bible's first commandment is. That's probably something I'm going to say. But can I tell you what it is? Do what you want. That's all Satan uh, cares about. He don't want your worship. He don't want you to bow down to him. Number one commandment, satanic Bible, do what you want. Because selfishness attracts satanic activity. Let me take you to the third one because I want to let you go. How to discern if you got a wrong spirit. The first one, using scriptures to cut rather than cure. Number two, motives are always wrapped around self, which speaks of wickedness. And the third thing, you could be under a wrong spirit if you lack the love of Jesus Christ. If you lack the love of Jesus Christ. We don't have enough of the love of Jesus Christ. You know what we got? We got fake love. We got knockoff love. We got South Sack love. Oh. That's I love you if. That's what that love is. I love you if you love me. I love you if you're good to me. I love you if you do what I say. That's not Jesus' love. Because the Bible says that Jesus loved you while you were yet a sinner. The Bible says he loved you when you could do nothing for him. The Bible says his love is unconditional. Which means this. I said it earlier. Listen, I don't get the right to not love somebody because they're not living how I want them to live. I'm commanded to love everybody. Straight, homosexual, whatever alphabet they're in, LGBTQ, Z, W, X, Y, whatever. I love them all. I love them all. Love them. They are welcome in this church. And we will love on them. We'll make them feel at home. We will love you. And at some point, we will talk to you in love. And we will give you the truth. And we will take the sword of the Spirit. And we will allow that thing to bring a cure. Rather than kill. Why? Because we have the love of Jesus Christ. Why did Paul say the letter kills? Because it does. 
Without the love of Jesus Christ, you could beat people with the word. <laughs> Here's the worst thing. Some of you beat yourselves up with the word. You never measure up. You never feel like you pray enough. You never feel like you're good enough. You, you, quit it and get some of the spirit. Because the spirit is what gives you life. The spirit is what empowers you to do what God's called you to do, which is love people. We need the love of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says they'll know we are Christians, not by the way we dress, not even by the way we speak, not even by the way we look, not even by whether we go to church or not. He says, they will know you are Christians by your love. Because Christian love, you better catch this now, is different than any other kind of love. It is unconditional. It is kind. Come on, go to 1 Corinthians 13, read about it. Love is patient. Love is kind. You try to help somebody, you're like, you, you got to change right now. No, 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 it's turn or burn. You better, no, no, no. Love is patient. Love is kind. I don't know what your love is like. Some of you, the love in your life beats you when he gets drunk. Some of you, the love that you grew up with, whether it was your mom or your dad, abused you and told you they loved you. Some of you had a parent that said they love you, but never came to see you. I get it. But now you need to know the love of Jesus Christ. And guys, can I tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's up to us to show people that love. Love has a sound. It doesn't sound like gossip. It doesn't sound like hate. Love sounds like encouragement. Love sounds like you're going to be okay. You're going to make it. Love doesn't sound like, did you see what she was wearing at church today? I can't stand her. She thinks she's all that. That ain't love. Why are you always hating on people? Get some love in you. Are you tracking with me today? Come on, let's stand on our feet. We'll get more into this later on this month. What spirit are you of? You could be going the right way with the right people, but doing the wrong things in your heart. And we need to guard ourselves against being influenced by wrong things. Listen, this thing is not just you serving Jesus. I know some of you start serving Jesus because you lost everything. Some of you start serving Jesus because you wanted to break an addiction. That's fine. I get it. We all have different reasons for coming to Jesus. But at some point, we've got to serve Jesus for who he is. Not just for what he can do for you. If Jesus never does another thing for me, he's done enough already. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I pray for every person here in the sound of my voice. And I ask right now, Lord Jesus, that this word would resonate, that we would, we would pursue your spirit, your spirit. So we would not be influenced by the spirit of the world. We would not be influenced by selfishness, bitterness, anger. Father, we want to be influenced by your spirit. 
Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. I just feel the Spirit of God moving in this place. I want you to be very vulnerable to Him. Because maybe as we were talking today, as I was preaching, there were things that you were seeing. Judgmental attitudes against your brothers and sisters. Frustration with people that many times maybe is coming out, whether it's your wife, your husband, you're frustrated with them. Frustration with your kids. and You realize I am not of the Spirit of God right now. Maybe you're acting like a Pharisee and judging other churches, judging pastors and judging this and judging that when you really need to start judging yourself. Father, I just pray right now that you would use this word this week to make sure, Father God, that what we do, we do from a right place. Sin means to miss the mark, Lord. And it's not just about the destination, it's about the journey. You desire relationship with us. We can't skip our process. We can't skip the journey, even though we want to sometimes. And I pray for every person in here, Lord, that they would examine what spirit they're of. And may the desire of all of our hearts be to be of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey everybody, Pastor Sergio here. and We just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.